0: Take a stroll with us on WGT Pebble Beach Hole Number Three. And we thought for this one, for the final round of golf with us, we thought we would go right back to the beginning. That's why we're going back to Pebble Beach Hole Number Three. So, how do you join us? Well, you go to freewgt.com and download the WGT app. Let me tell you guys, this has been my favorite app that i've had on my ipad my phone since 2012 it is such a fun golf game for those of us that are golfers like ryan and for those of us that aren't golfers like myself i absolutely love this app so i want you to download it so you can have fun and when you download it off freewgt.com and play you get entered in to two chances to win a prize and the first one is based off this week's competition and how you get in that competition go to freewgt.com download the app, go into game modes, select Pebble Beach, go to closest to the hole challenge and then play the third hole on the course. take a screenshot of how close you got to the hole send it to us on Twitter at DnVR Broncos and if you are the closest to the hole, you win a prize this week but that's not it. Let's say you're not very good, like myself. All you have to do is play the hole number three on Pebble Beach this week. Send us a screenshot, and you get entered in to win the grand prize. And why this is key is this week we choose the grand prize winner. And you only have a few days left, so make sure that you get in on this. Send us that screenshot, and that is your entry into the grand prize. So freewgdgt.com. Pebble Beach, hole number three. Let's play some golf and Mace. Let's start this podcast.
1: Broncos country is.
0: Welcome into the DNVR Broncos Emergency Podcast. I'm joined by my main man, Andrew Mason. Mace, we were talking just a couple hours ago, but I feel rejuvenated. It's an emergency.
1: Yes, we need some sirens or something like that to sound the alarm, sound the alert. Or it's like the old school days with newspapers. Extra, extra. This is an extra. This is a special edition to use the parlance of draft day. We live in a different world now. Then we lived in five hours ago when you and I were sitting at my kitchen table, recording the last podcast.
0: It it is exactly a totally different world. And I said yesterday, or I said in this pod earlier today, which maybe yesterday's pod, I don't know. Whenever you're listening to this, that Bill Belichick needed a cup of Strava Craft coffee after making the trade for Mohamed Sanu after winning 33-0 to zero last night. Well, John Elway needs a cup of Strava Craft coffee after what he's done today, the wheeling and dealing. And if you want to be like John Elway and Bill Belichick maybe, make sure you get on in on this Strava Craft coffee. It's a fantastic blend of coffee, and CBD helps relieve pains, aches, really anything. Uh, so many people at the office use this, and you should use it as well. And if you want to, make sure you use the code DNVR20 to get 20% off your purchase. And guys, it's fantastic coffee, and you get the benefits of CBD, so make sure that you use that code. And of course, they are our presenting sponsors, so we thank them. And Mace, the end of an era. Emmanuel Sanders out the door also means that the Broncos have no remaining offensive players from Super Bowl 50.
1: In other words, nobody who stood in a huddle with Peyton freaking Manning. Oh,
0: man, think that's, about that. Mace, that's the way that it should be put. It should be put and in, in framed in the way that you just said because how important is that? How much did Peyton rub off on everyone?
1: Yeah, I mean, on the offensive side, I guess Jeff Hierman's still on the roster. He didn't play in Super Bowl 50, he was on IR then. Peyton Manning raised everybody's standards. And this is true on defense as well, but especially on offense. For someone like Emmanuel Sanders, he basically provided a standard of what to expect. And Sanders in particular played four seasons with Ben Roethlisberger and then played two seasons with Peyton Manning. Hall of Famer, Hall of Famer. And then his new reality became catching passes from Trevor Simeon, Paxton Lynch, Brock Osweiler, Case Keenum, and now Joe Flacco.
0: Life's not as easy.
1: No, and I would argue this. Emmanuel Sanders probably, I'm not even going to say probably, definitely couldn't adjust to the new reality of post Peyton life.
0: Well look at look at what happened when he was with Peyton. And we'll go back what his last year with Pittsburgh, hundred and thirteen targets. Then first year with Peyton Manning, a hundred and forty one targets. Next year, a hundred and thirty-six targets. And then his first year without Peyton Manning—he still put up 137 targets, but Mace, it's what you're saying. These past three years: 92, 98, and this year, 44. Those aren't those aren't the numbers that he wanted.
1: And clearly, it wore at him, and he was becoming a problem in the locker room.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: This is a move that, even though it makes it clear you're rebuilding, I also think to some degree this is addition by subtraction.
0: And that's kind of exactly. What I think John Elway told us today, and we're going to listen and talk about John Elway later. But Mace, that's exactly right. So the Broncos get a third and a fifth back, or a third and a fourth back in 2020 from from the 49ers, and they trade a manual and a fifth round pick. Mace, just straight up there. What do you think of the terms of this deal?
1: Couldn't ask for better. I mean, Mohamed Sanu, who's a little bit younger and has a year and a half left on his deal, fetched a second round pick. A late second-round pick. Certainly the Patriots expect to be picking 64th overall with that selection. So you get a third and a fourth. You give up a fifth. You give up Emmanuel Sanders. That's as much as you could ask for, even though, again, the 49ers, the way they're trending, I expect that third-round pick to be probably somewhere around 93, 94 overall in the draft. But still, you stack that on the third-round pick you got from Pittsburgh, your own third-rounder. You, of course, have your first and second-rounders. Now you also have two fourth-round picks. So you have seven You have seven selections in the first four rounds. You can take those third-round picks, a couple of them, make them into a second-rounder. It's still possible the Broncos could trade Chris Harris Jr., something Elway alluded to. In his conference call, even though they haven't received any offers uh, recently, he said, I don't think the Broncos should be done, but they are in position to make some moves now. For example, let's say they stand pat with whatever their first round pick is. With those three second rounders you open up the possibility of taking your potential high second-round pick that you have and turning that into a late first-round pick with the fifth-year option on it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: And Mace, you and I were talking about how they could use that potential pick moving up back in in the uh, first round, and that could be on getting a staple on the offensive line. Now, are you going to get a franchise left tackle with no doubts moving up in the first round? Probably not, although Ryan Ramstack fell right there. But you can get an interior offensive lineman for the next 15 years to go either next to Dalton Reisner or on the other side of Dalton Reisner.
1: Or let's face it, let's say some of the quarterback prospects were there in the 20s. Um, we've seen in recent years, now Tay Bridgewater didn't work out for Minnesota, but he's proving to be a pretty good quarterback. He yep. put him in the right system. When he's healthy... This is now two good seasons he's had when he's healthy, this along with that 2015 campaign when he led what should have been the game-winning drive for Minnesota in the playoff loss to Seattle before Blair Walsh missed the short field goal attempt. So Teddy Bridgewater, solid pick there at the end of the first round. Lamar Jackson was an end-of-the-first-round pick. In both cases, you had these teams trading back into round one to get the fifth-year option. So let's say, if Drew Locke isn't the answer, let's say you like a Jalen Hurts or maybe a Joe Burrow. This is the sort of capital that makes that possible if you don't go for a quarterback early in the first round. You're giving yourself options here. Exactly. without napalming your draft capital for future years. And if you can trade Chris Harris Jr. and get at least a third-round pick in the next week, you have more options. And that's what the Broncos need to be cultivating here. Because right now, as I said in my story on the DNVR.com, to use a Seinfeld illusion, they are at a cockfight at 3.30 in the morning, <laughs> at which point Elaine Bennis said, what am I clinging to you're two and nine in your last 11 games what are you clinging to here
0: hey, you're exactly right and that's why I like this trade as well because a third and a fourth rounder those those pull some weight those pull weight when you're trying to trade up whether it's in the first round whether it's in the second round uh, whether whatever moves you're making a third and a fourth rounder teams listen to those uh if you're let's say you get a seventh for Derek wolf later this week or a sixth, that's great, and I'm all for still doing that type of move, but come on. that That's like the final thing that you throw in on a deal. That's not making any moves. That's not catching anyone's attention. A third and a fourth rounder is catching people's attention, and also you can draft good players there. So according to the draft value chart – Pretty much what the Broncos did was, with San Francisco's late round pick, as is expected to be in the third round, with getting the fourth rounder, they moved back right in the middle of the third round. And then by giving up the fifth rounder, they moved kind of right back in the 20s in the third round. But Mace, if you would have asked any of us four days ago, what what would you be happy with getting for Emmanuel Sanders? I think all of us would have said, if they can get a third round pick, then, then they've done it, and they got it even a little more than that.
1: And interesting, the 49ers are already a team that has given up their second-round pick in the d Ford trade. So they're sitting there. They're going for it right now, as they should. They're 6-0. The other times they've been 6-0, they've made at least the conference championship game. Their defense is playing out of its mind right now. What they were missing was Emmanuel Sanders. They were missing a wide receiver one. They've got some young guys, Dante Pettis, for example, but no one who's really taken that role and seized it. They need somebody to take the pressure off of George Kittle. It was a perfect mix of need on both sides And frankly, even though Emmanuel Sanders clearly didn't want to be in Denver, when he's in a place where he wants to be, he's a hell of a player. And he'll be engaged and he'll be involved and he won't cause any problems. In the Broncos locker room the last couple of years, it was clear at times that Emmanuel Sanders, in terms of his demeanor, was getting to be more trouble than he was worth. Mm -hmm. We saw it with media at times getting snippy.
0: Yeah, very snippy.
1: And um, frankly, I think we saw him rubbing off on some of the younger players. We can all recall the Cortland Sutton Emmanuel Sanders incident during training camp this past summer.
0: What did what did you call Emmanuel's punch? the The flying squirrel kick or something? <laughs> I mean, it was something else.
1: <laughs> We're saying it wasn't a crane kick, but a squirrel kick. <laughs> yeah it was time to move on and it was pretty clear from what John Elway said that uh, Uh this wasn't simply about where the team stands. This was about Emmanuel simply not wanting to be here and wanting a trade. And they got good value for a guy who really as productive as he is, it was clear that he was about himself and his own production more than that of the team. We kind of jokingly said it at times, but Emmanuel Sanders in the locker room, if the team lost but he got his catches and his yards, he had a better demeanor than if the team won, and he didn't have the catches and yards.
0: And he's not someone that was going to deny that. He was the guy that when things were going great right after Super Bowl 50, it was that offseason when he said, oh, yeah, we're divas. Uh, What, DT's a country diva, and I'm a— something diva i don't remember what he said he called himself but he, he was willing to admit that but you know what you can deal with diva wide receivers when your team is undefeated aka the san francisco 49ers when you have a quarterback that's giving his wide receivers an opportunity not so much jimmy garoppolo but i bet emmanuel's gonna get his looks with jimmy garoppolo now and it all of this makes me think mace how are the broncos gonna score points Move moving forward. Well, they weren't scoring points with him. <laughs> you might as well do the same thing and get value in return. I mean, you're not gonna you weren't scoring points with him. You're
1: not gonna score points without him. Again, what are you clinging to right, right now? That's just what this comes down to, and it's why if a viable offer comes in for Chris Harris Jr., they need to take it. And I would define viable offer as any day two pick.
0: Absolutely. Which is
1: more than you'd get if yeah. he walks and. Every indication is that Chris Harris Jr. isn't coming back. He's not going to be on the team in 2020. Yep. So move on.
0: Yep. And we talked to Chris today, um, and he said he hasn't talked with John Elway. He hasn't talked with Vic Fangio about being traded, about requesting a trade like Emmanuel did. Chris has not done that. And then asked... He he was phrased this in a way. He said, uh, Chris, you've always maintained that you want to be a Denver Bronco and want to retire a Denver Bronco. Is that still true? And he said, yeah, nothing's changed on that front. But he wasn't very strong in terms of saying, yes, I want to do whatever I can to retire a Denver Bronco. Well, I
1: think he wants to stay, but I think he wants to stay at a fair price for his services. and. The Broncos had plenty of chances the last couple of years to give him a long-term extension, and all they did was give him a little extra money for this year. Yep. Really, it felt like, okay, we're trying to solve this problem in the short term to make sure Chris isn't a problem in 2019, but uh, beyond that, not so much.
0: Exactly. It was interesting. So, Mace, here's your Broncos wide receivers right now. You have Cortland Sutton, unquestioned, the new number one receiver without a doubt on this team, if he hasn't really been already, but now it's unquestioned. He's going, if I'm a team, I give, I double him every time. Well, I, I give every resource to, sh- to just shut him down.
1: That's what happened late last year, and he struggled. So this is a mm-hmm. chance for Cortland Sutton to show how much he's progressed, because remember, in the last four games of the 2018 season, the most productive receiver on the team was actually Deshaun Hamilton. Yep. It wasn't Cortland Sutton.
0: Yep, and Deshaun Hamilton's the other guy who... I believe has less than ten catches.
1: He's got to do this better. Season
0: right now, can't He's drop passes up. anymore. He's no. got
1: to do better. John Elway mentioned him specifically in his conference call with media today. Deshaun Hamilton has to show his value, and boy, oh boy, I'm coming back to this. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this. Should have taken Terry McLaurin. <laughs> You'd feel a lot better about this trade and what you have. If you drafted Terry McLaurin in round three.
0: You certainly would, because behind those two, you have Deontay Spencer, who's been, what, used on two rounds right now? He's not shown that he can be a receiver.
1: And kind of a fake jet sweep, 15 yards behind the line of scrimmage on a fake punt. Ex-
0: uh! Exactly. Woof. <laughs> Juwan Winfrey, who can't even convince the coaching staff to make him active. Now, maybe it's because of special teams, but... It's the, the fact of the matter is still there is the Broncos had a wide open, wide receiver spot, and he
1: couldn't claim it. Get him on the
0: field. Ab- Start with, finding out what he has. Because I think he could end up being the number two receiver this year. And maybe that's because he balls out and is good. Maybe that's because everyone else struggles so much that he just gets that opportunity. It's
1: also possible that Juwan Winfrey could be the classic gamer who right. simply steps it up when the spotlight is on.
0: Yep. And then to round out the group on the active roster, you have Fred Brown.
1: Downtown Freddie Brown.
0: (laughs) Who was not on the team as of just a few weeks ago. And then you also have Trinity Benson on the practice squad. But, Mace, it's not like you have Peyton Manning back there who's going to be ripping the balls and making all these receivers go from, you know, a 68 to to an 89. No, you have Joe Flacco, who, by the way, isn't just Joe Flacco. He's behind a struggling, struggling, struggling offensive line. That's why I say, where are points coming from?
1: You also have to mention the tight ends in this. Maybe you're doing more two tight end sets. You've got to get more out of Noah Fant. We'll actually explore Noah Fant tomorrow because I talked with him in the locker room today and it was something I was going to write for today. (laughs) But of course, all the Sanders stuff broke, but it's worth coming back to tomorrow and I may actually uh, try to get a few more minutes with him in the locker room tomorrow just to ask him because to me, when I'm looking at how do you replicate Sanders' production, Noah Fant needs to be a part of that. And that means starting with what he does best. One of the things I loved when I watched him at Iowa was what he could do in the left flat, in the right flat, take a screen pass, make a man miss. We've already seen that once in the Jaguars game for his only professional touchdown to date. Let's see what happens if you do more of that. Put Noah Fant in position to where he can do what he does best and build that confidence up in him over the course of the year. Because while I don't ever see it getting to a point where he's your number one guy, like George Kittle is the number one guy in San Francisco. That's not ideal. You need a vertical stretch receiver. You need somebody else there. That's why Emmanuel Sanders can help him out. But I'd like to see a scenario where Cortland Sutton and Noah Fant become options one and one A. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So give Fant some opportunities to do what he does best and rebuild that confidence because right now he's dealing with real football adversity for the first time in his life. You gotta help him out because the talent is there, the skills are there. If he's used properly, if you're not jamming the square peg into a round hole, start with what he does best. And so, yes, you do have to change this offense a little bit. You do have to change the game plan. You have to adapt it to the talent you have. You don't have Emmanuel Sanders' talent there anymore. You have to adapt it to what's left.
0: Mesa, I was gonna say you're you're making too much sense for this Broncos offense right now. Everything you said. I completely agree with everyone who's listening, completely agrees with, but just I operate in the world of logic. (laughs) The voice of reason tells me it's too logical, and the thing, and and it's because of what you said at the end you have to change the offense a bit, you have to adapt what your players do. I have not seen that happen with this coaching staff, but I completely agree. Noah Fant has to be, or really should be. Your number two option. And it doesn't mean on every single play that he's your number two, but you should treat him like the number two option in terms of when you're building your game plan, yet you build the plays for Cortland, but you are building plays for Noah
1: Fan. Here's a thought. Watch how the Giants use Evan Ingram. Mm -hmm. He's barely a tight end. He's basically a big wide receiver. Yep. Start there.
0: Yep, exactly. Now, Mace, the juice of where this conversation goes with Emmanuel Sanders is what John Elway said. And so we're going to listen to what we talked about with John Elway earlier today. But first, speaking of juice, if you want the most delicious juice in your mouth, make sure you get your hands on some Breckenridge Brewery. And let me recommend the Colorado Core to you. A little bit of apple flavor, a little champagne flavor, a perfect beer ...for this fall day, and it is perfect fall weather outside, Maze. I'm rocking the shorts. You got the coat on. I mean, that, that screams fall to you, and it would only be more fall if we had a Colorado Core in our hand right now, or really any of the delicious beers from Breckenridge Brewery. They love us. We love them. You love us. You love them. Let's keep supporting them, and although it's a Tuesday... It's a celebratory Tuesday for John Elway and the Broncos as they got fair value for for Emmanuel Sanders. So make sure that you're sending us the pictures of where you're finding Colorado Core and what your favorite Breckenridge Brewery is. I know a fan favorite is Strawberry Sky. So let, let us hear it. Uh, make sure that you're sending us those pictures because we love hearing from you guys and... If that's not enough of a celebration for you, make sure you check out the Green Solution, which has 17 Colorado locations and an express checkout to get you in and out as fast as possible. Get on your phone right now. Go to their website, mygreensolution.com. Order your flour, concentrates, edibles, and topicals online and head to the closest Green Solution for pickup. And this is the most important part. Make sure you use the code DNVR20 and receive 20% off your entire purchase boy that'd be a fun way to celebrate all all of those things and don't let me forget that this emergency podcast as with all of our podcasts are brought to you by Strava Craft Coffee
1: you know what um it's very autumnal right now I appreciate Mm -hmm. you commenting on my outfit I had the I had the maroon vest I have the uh it's a great look the flannel shirt on we're getting into flannel shirt season right oh yes I have almost as many plaid flannel shirts as I have Hawaiian shirts. (laughs) I have my fall and winter (laughs) uniform and then I have my warm weather outfit. But it's going to get like winter here in a couple of days. Winter is coming back Winter is coming, as they said on Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah. Would you say winter is already here for the Denver Broncos?
0: Oh, it is as dark and cold of a winter. We're talking about in, in Iceland or an Antarctic winter right now. where there's So you just... don't see the sun. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and that's how I view this team right now, specifically the offense. I don't see
1: any sun on the horizon. Well, considering that they haven't hit 25 points in over a season's worth of football and they just traded their vertical speed threat and they don't have anybody in the offing because (laughs) they didn't take Terry McLaurin. (laughs) I'm not letting this go. I'm sorry. This may become my new Russell Wilson, Brock Osweiler thing. No offense to Draymond Jones. Draymond Jones looks like a decent player. But Terry McLaurin would help you a hell of a lot right
0: now. He's certain. There's there,
1: <sighs> there's a chance, and we liked him. That's the thing. Yep. We're not just playing, you know, Monday morning quarterback no. on this thing. You said it on this podcast. I said it over on the late lamented Orange and Blue 760. Terry McLaurin is somebody that would have fit this Broncos organization very well. Write down the fact that he fit the template of leadership. Senior, captain, yep. character, all the things that the Broncos were looking for. Yep. Which is why I kind of kept pushing him because I knew, okay, this guy is really in the template of what you want.
0: Yep. But they didn't do it. No, they didn't. And boy, especially with what John Elway said today, don't the Broncos probably wish that they had a leader in that room? Because John said it's Cortland's room now, but like we talked about, there's really no one else there. And uh, not just losing Emmanuel's production, and I don't want to say that he was the best leader, as we'll find out from John, but you you needed something in there. to, And may, maybe if you had that leadership, then maybe Emmanuel doesn't go astray. And that's what John said happened.
1: Yeah, although with Emmanuel, I also think that having First, Ben Roethlisberger and then Peyton Manning, especially, really kind of kept him contained. Right. Emmanuel Sanders really kind of needs that strong locker room, some strong personalities. Yep. Because you got to temper him a little bit. Yep. He's high voltage. He
0: is. And in the best way possible and the worst way possible. You
1: have to handle it, that high voltage guy with safety gloves. <laughs> I don't see the safety gloves on there right now. It's not Joe Flacco. No. Not Joe Cool.
0: No, he's just getting electrocuted by it.
1: Yeah. Again, it's not that Joe Flacco isn't a capable league average starting quarterback. It says he's their own quarterback for what this team is. Yep. And I don't know if Drew Lock is going to be, but I think you got to find out. Again, 2-9 and nine in your last 11 games, and he did it with veteran quarterbacks. And that kind of brings us to another level to this. Tim Patrick is going to come off IR in the next couple of weeks. John Elway said that to replace Emmanuel Sanders. That leaves you one spot, one recallable spot among Theo Riddick, Devontae Bosby, Jake Butt, and Drew Locke. If Drew Locke isn't the guy, it's malpractice.
0: A hundred million percent. Unless you
1: find out, oh, he's seriously injured. But other, if he's healthy, how he can't be that other guy off IR it'd be mind-blowing.
0: And Mace, we may have had an emergency podcast without the Emmanuel Sanders news today because out there today was Drew Locke, but he wasn't practicing. Drew Locke was not practicing, despite on Friday Vic Fangio saying that all of the IR guys, I believe not including Tim Patrick, or no, maybe it was including, yeah, it was including Tim Patrick. Uh, Fangio said that Tim Patrick, Jake Butt, Theo Riddick, and Drew Locke would all be practicing this week. Now, this is kind of an extra practice for the Broncos since it's a Tuesday. Right,
1: so let's see where he is tomorrow. E-
0: exactly, but if Drew Locke is still standing in the orange Broncos t-shirt instead of the orange Bronco or the blue Broncos jersey like the quarterbacks wear, holy cow. They're just digging their heels in and and saying what John Elway said on the conference call today of we're not throwing the towel in. We're still trying to win football games and boy Would that be, there's no words to describe, disaster, mistake, the worst thing that could happen this season.
1: Well, let's just take a look at the next seven games for the Broncos. Five of them are on the road. All five of those games are against teams that if the playoffs started right now, they'd be in the postseason. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay. So in those seven games, you've got Cleveland and the Chargers at home. Those are winnable, right? You'd think. Sure they're probably coin flip games right
0: was, yeah winnable but not guarantees by any means
1: so you go three and four against that seven game stretch you're doing well yeah that means you've beaten somebody of quality at that point some pro- somebody on the road you do that you're still five and nine <laughs> still in lost season
0: yep Still a lost season, and is it good to have a lost season with Joe Flacco as your quarterback, not knowing anything about your second-round pick and not knowing if you need to draft a quarterback, or is it not as much of a lost season if you know that Drew Locke's the guy or you know that Drew Locke's not the guy? And if you go three and four, then you're feeling pretty good about Drew Locke being the guy.
1: Yes, well, you're not starting Drew Locke for all of those. Right, But again, we've kind of talked about the notion that uh, you could win some games down the stretch, pull off an upset or two, and Drew Locke is the quarterback, and you start feeling good about where you stand. And then maybe you're drafting a young quarterback, but you're not doing it high. Maybe you're saying, okay, let's uh, take another flyer on a guy and bring in some competition. If you find out that Drew Locke isn't the guy, then fine. You pick a quarterback early, but at least you know what you're dealing with. The worst thing is not knowing. The wor- and. And if you don't know about Drew Locke, maybe you can talk yourself into saying, well, he's going to be the guy. But then you better be right. Yep. If you're passing on anyone from, not even saying Tua, because he's going to be a Dolphin, Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow, Kelly Bryant, if he's yep. in the mix, just name your guy.
0: Yep. Jake and-
1: Fromm. You've got to have data on
0: Drew Locke. And speaking of not knowing, that's what John Elway said in terms of the other IR spot outside of Tim Patrick. He said, we don't know yet, and everyone everyone was saying, you, sh- you should know. You, you absolutely should know. If you know Tim Patrick's coming off the IR, then it should be set. We should know it's Tim Patrick and Drew Locke, but John Elway said he doesn't know May should we should we listen to to what john had to say today
1: yes and let's start with the emmanuel sanders stuff because that's where we, we began this whole thing let's start with what john elway said about making the trade of emmanuel sanders you know i think eventually with uh you know with what happened uh after the tennessee game and where we were and the
0: opportunity to um with the value that we we're
1: getting for him, decided it was the best thing for our football team to trade Emmanuel. And indeed, Zach, let's go to another response from John Elway where he says that Emmanuel Sanders did communicate a desire to be traded. Uh, yes. Yep. He did. He did. I I, I, you know, when we look at it, you know, Emmanuel had issues and we had issues. So that's why it was a good time for us to go different directions, which for Emmanuel go to a different direction and us to go a different direction. So with, you know, with that being said, uh, we were able to get the value that we thought was fair. And uh, and so that's why we decided to make the deal. Okay. Oh, hoo-hoo. Hoo-hoo. So, Mace, what happened? It's a good question. Well, first of all, Elway was later asked if he would get into some of the issues, especially when he commented in that first response about quote what happened after the Tennessee game." He said, "No," but I'm starting to wonder if some of our conspiracy-minded yep. listeners yep. might have been right on.
0: Oh, they hit it on on head. this
1: one! Ding, 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 ding.
0: Because then, according to other reports, so that was a week from from Sunday. According to other reports, on Monday, uh, Emmanuel met with Vic and told him he, he, he requested to be traded. It's being phrased in interesting ways. And then that Tuesday, he met with John Elway. And of course... We didn't get to talk to Emmanuel that week. That's when he was hurt. That's when we were unsure of his status, and he. But despite the knee
1: injury, he was somehow one hundred percent. Looked pretty good just four days later.
0: Exactly posted uh, what sixty yards. Mm hmm.
1: He wasn't the problem with the offense that night. No,
0: so I think our conspiracy theorists hit it right on the head last week. Emmanuel freaked out. Whether he freaked out on the coaches, whether he got in a screaming match with someone, or whether he just said, I'm not being targeted, so I'm not going back out there, something happened.
1: Yeah, and you wonder if Emmanuel will address this a little bit when he gets to San Francisco. Mm -hmm. Sometimes what happens when a player leaves, they get to the next destination, and then all of a sudden, all the beans are spilled. Yeah. We heard that with Demarius Thomas last year after he went yep. to Houston. Yep. So that press conference that he has out in Santa Clara probably tomorrow, I imagine we're going to hear something. Oh, yeah. I'm not sure if it'll be explosive, but we'll get a little more illumination on that. What were these issues? You know it's going to come up. In the wake of what John Elway said.
0: And this is why it's addition by subtraction. Not just with the third and fourth round picks. But Emmanuel wasn't just not happy here. He was not just making a scene. He was doing things during a game to hurt the team. And so that's how John Elway, unfortunately, that's how he can sell this to himself as "This this is helping us win this year. Hey, we're in it. Keep Drew Locke on the bench. Give me Jake Buck, give me Theo Riddick, someone who's going to come and help this team this year.
1: And let's hear what Elway said about how this team isn't throwing in the towel and what message it sends to the locker room.
0: Uh, we're not throwing in the towel by any means. We're still trying to win football games. And I think what the message that it sends to the, 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 the rest of the team is they know what message is being sent because uh, they've been around. So uh, they have a good feel of what's going on. Okay. (laughs) Well then So what is is he the way I interpret that is he saying that everyone saw how Emmanuel was acting that he needed to get out of here. That's what it sounds like (laughs) to me.
1: It's sometimes dangerous to interpret, but there is so much between the lines of that statement. Yep. That everyone in the locker room knows. Because they've been around. <laughs> they have a good feel what's going on.
0: That makes me think it was a uh, a pretty big scene, whatever happened at the Tennessee game. Yes. Plus other things. I mean, John didn't just limit it to one event.
1: No. <laughs> but clearly it was something coming out of the Tennessee game because that first comment, what happened after the Tennessee game.
0: That's literally what John Elway led off. Right. is talking about moving on from Emmanuel. So
1: you're wondering, okay, what changed between October 11th, no one from our side is on the trading block, yep. and now, well, it was a different world. Emmanuel Sanders, by his frustration, mm-hmm. whatever came to a head changed the dynamic to where the Broncos and John Elway finally said, this is a headache yep. and it's not worth it. And you do do right by Emmanuel by getting him to a winning team. Yep. This isn't like you sent him to Tampa Bay here.
0: Well, then you know that, that whatever happened during the Tennessee game would have been awful if you sent him to or Miami. Right.
1: At least then you're saying, okay, thank you for your five and a half years of service. You were a key part of a couple of great Broncos teams, a pro bowler, a dynamic player. I'll be fascinated to see if he gets into the Ring of Fame discussion. My guess is he probably just misses it. Yep. Look, if Ed McCaffrey's not in, right, and Steve Watson isn't in,
0: yeah. then
1: it's probably hard to argue for Emmanuel Sanders being in. Yep.
0: I completely agree. And uh, John said that the team was possibly going to do more deals. He said that there hasn't been interest in Chris Harris Jr. lately, although... Other reports are very much coming out saying that that's not the case, including some reports are adding Derek Wolf is also thrown into this mix as well. But Mace, because of these circumstances with Emmanuel being traded, I'm not so sure that John Elway saying, okay, it's time. It's time for the rebuild or reboot or uh, the, the time to start looking at the future. I think John's selling this one to himself, at least right now, as... We had to get rid of Emmanuel. One, he wanted out. Two, he was making it clear he wanted out. Three, he was making a ruckus. Four, he was bringing our team down. And those all boiled down in John's mind to, huh, this makes us better right now. And it was actually a play mm-hmm. for the present for John. And that just gives me pause and hesitation. And I think it should be absolutely wrong. But it makes me wonder if, if John's going to hold on to Derek Wolf, hold on to Chris, hold on to Vaughn, not listen to, to really any of those trade conversations,
1: and that scares me. Well, I made the argument in my piece on the DNVR.com that you hold on to Vaughn Miller. And my argument for keeping Vaughn Miller is that players of his skill set have been productive into their mid-30s. Mm. Maybe not complete guys off the edge – but they've still been premier pass rushers. DeMarcus Ware, when he stayed healthy, was still a premier player when he got to Denver. Julius Peppers was still racking up double-digit sack seasons into his mid-30s. Yeah. Jared Allen, Michael Strahan, Dwight Freeney, these guys had productive years into their 30s. Maybe they didn't have all of their skill set, but they had enough, especially in pass rush, the key part of what they do. To be solid presences. Guys that are hard to find. Hey, John Gruden said it. it's hard to find past <laughs> rushers. <laughs> so I look at Von Miller. He's under contract, contract through 2021. If you can get this thing rebuilding, rebuilt and get it right, you could be talking about Von Miller re signing with the team in 2022 and beyond. Yeah. So I am hesitant to let him go for that reason. Players of this skill set usually find their way back to being perennial 10, 12 sack a year guys. Very productive. Yep. It's an elite skill set to have. And you would be trading him right now at his low point, at his ebb.
0: Yep,
1: Two and a half sacks this year. Yep. Not even 10 sacks in his last 16 games. The history of Von Miller says he's going to recapture that form at some point. So yep. why trade him when his value is at his lowest? And also, yeah, you've point. got the cap hit that accelerates because of what's left in right. terms of guaranteed money. Right. So trading him would be problematic in the short term as well. I don't see it as something realistic. Chris Harris Jr., Derek Wolfe, players with expiring contracts, these are realistic possibilities. Again, with Harris, I think you're talking about a day-two pick. With Derek Wolf, you're probably saying, okay, if you get a fifth— that's worth making the deal.
0: Ab- absolutely. I think if you can get a fifth for Derek, you're doing it, and, and you're, you're running to the bank with that trade deal. Mace, in one week from now, we'll be sitting here potentially doing another emergency podcast talking about the trade of Chris Harris Jr.
1: Let's talk about the market then for him because Gary and Connolly just went to Houston yep. for a third-round pick. He is not the cornerback that Chris Harris Jr. is. Nope. Now he's cost-controlled. He's younger has multiple years left on his deal. Yep. So a different scenario there. But Chris's talent and his level of play, I think, makes up for that. So anything less than a third-round pick for Chris Harris Jr., I'm hanging up the phone.
0: It brings up an interesting point because we in Denver, and specifically you and I, view Chris as an elite cornerback. Premier, he's great. Read an article on NFL.com today just talking about guys that could be traded, and they described Chris as a guy that was an elite player. He was a, a, a good cornerback, and now he's over the hump, and he's still good. Is that the way the
1: league views him? Some teams may view him that way. Others don't. Don't forget with Chris Harris Jr., one of the assets that he has is the ability to eventually transition to safety. Yep. He played safety at the University of Kansas. And I've always looked at Chris Harris Jr.'s long-term arc, and one reason why I thought the Broncos should have extended him into 2021, 2022, maybe even 2023, is because he had that versatility to make the transition to safety, and that would extend his effective value. Right. It's a reason why I've completely disagreed with the notion of not giving him an extension in the last few years, because his skill set, his intelligence. He's one of the brightest cornerbacks in the game. Reminds me a little of, obviously, John Lynch was a safety, but Lynch, as he got older, made up for the step that he lost with what he saw mentally. I remember him telling me when he played for the Broncos that, yeah, I've lost a step. But with what I can see now, Mm -hmm. after being around the game for 12, 13 years... I've gained that step back. Mm. yeah, And that's what I think Chris Harris Jr. is going to be as he gets into his 30s. And it's why I've thought all along it's been unwise to continue screwing around with this and not getting something done. It's apparent that he's not in the Broncos' plans beyond this year. I think Chris knows that. So
0: then why not, if a team comes and says, we'll give you a fourth?
1: Because... There's a chance you can get back a three as a comp pick. Okay. Yep. So I'm holding. I'm holding fast on the three. Yep. If I'm John Elway and I'm taking calls on Chris Harris Jr., if the other thing is this: if I'm intending to trade him though, I'm doing it now. I'm not waiting for next week. I'm doing it now.
0: And I think that's exactly what John Elway is not going to do. I think he's going to say, "I'm holding on to all these assets unless I get." An offer that absolutely sweeps me off my feet. But what if he gets hurt? Oh, hey, no, no disagreement. Because from then here. what yes. happens?
1: <laughs> now, if he gets hurt, God forbid. But let's say yep. he tears an ACL. Yeah. Then he has no trade value, and then his compensatory value yep. goes down because you probably only get back a fifth round pick, given yep. the contract that he would get coming off the of second ACL injury in his pro career. And
0: here's the thing: What does Chris have to prove out there on Sunday? Chris has nothing. To prove, if he goes out and shuts out, shuts down T. Y. Hilton, which he very well could do, teams aren't going to view him any differently. He just went and destroyed Keenan Allen a a few weeks ago. He's proved it. So if you want to do this and you want to say I'm trying to build up the value as high as possible, well then, unfortunately, Chris Chris comes up with just a little tweak in his leg this week in practice, and he does not. Play on Sunday. If you're thinking about Derek trying to do the same thing right now, you're getting offers for sixth and seventh, and you want a fifth for him, well, then do the same thing. Ah, Derek just had a little tweak that he can't play, but Mace, I 100% agree with you. In my mind, there's no reason to wait to trade these guys, but I think John Elway, I think he's not only saying, I want their value to increase, but John's saying, I want to see if we can get back into this thing. And that's why I believe that Chris, Derek, all these other guys, they're not going to sit on the bench. They're going to be playing because John is trying to
1: win. What happens in baseball when you have a trade that's imminent? You pull the player. Yep, right away. We've seen it happen during games. Yep, <laughs> yep. All right, Tulo, you're coming out now. <laughs> Sorry, you're going to Toronto. What? <laughs> <laughs> but that's how it's done. Yep, yep. I know I make a lot of baseball illusions on this podcast. I probably need to get on our DMVR Rockies <laughs> podcast at some point probably boring you some of y'all with the baseball stuff oh but, i love them <laughs> but there's a there's a lot of wisdom that comes from baseball that can be applied to football yep and this is one of the areas if you're gonna trade the guy don't run the risk you know, pull him out right then and there don't worry about it
0: yeah and so
1: be smart be be, be smart think with your brain not your and uh, can i can i say <laughs> can i say this you gotta think brains over balls.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yep, it, you're you're 100 right. Too much
1: football thinking is
0: balls over brains. You gotta take the ego out of it. Yep. And you also have to think with your eyes. You have to open your eyes and look around you, John. Look, look what's in the building right now. It's a two and five team, and you just lost best, second best offensive player via a trade. Which, by the way, good job was a good move. Your offense isn't going to be able to score points. Your defense. Has certainly shown flashes, but has not shown consistency to go win you what? How many games do you have left? To go win you seven of the next nine.
1: And oh, by the way, look around your division. The Raiders are better than you. Yep. A year ago, they're a laughing stock. They're selling, selling, selling for draft capital. They're right. selling Cleo Mack. They're selling Amari Cooper. Yep. Well, they did something with a lot of those draft picks. Cleveland Farrell's mm-hmm. been a bit of a disappointment, but. They're moving in the right direction. Yep. They appear to have a positive direction. Yep. You don't have that right now. You are behind the Raiders. Yep. They've already beaten you anyway, so you're behind the Raiders in terms of on-field play, as well as the standings, and as well as the Mm -hmm. general direction. Mm -hmm. Again, open your eyes and accept where you are. Yep. You are in the world (laughs) of suck. And by the way, it was Emmanuel Sanders who did bring that quote to light. Yep after week three, Mm. when he sat in the locker room. And of course we found out that Vic said those words, but it was Emmanuel Sanders that brought it out into the open. So I tip my cap (laughs) to Emmanuel Sanders for providing the vignette that launched a million headlines.
0: And that's just going to surround the 2019 Broncos, but we hope it stops with the 2019 Broncos and doesn't, continue into the 2020 Broncos and beyond new decade,
1: fresh hope.
0: And if you want some fresh hope, Check out Symbio Tax, who can help you with all of your tax needs, and they are the new alternative for helping you with your taxes. Symbio Tax Administration provides its clients with honest and knowledgeable tax service from a licensed professional. You guys know we're all about taking care of our own, and George over at Symbio Tax is a proud DNVR subscriber and a diehard Avs fan. Maybe he's tuning into this pod today for the emergency Emmanuel Sanders trade, and whether you have whether you have a small business, you're looking to rent out a room in your house, or if you just need to get your tax return filed, go to a qualified professional to understand your tax requirements. Don't end up at one of those retail tax chains. Call Symbiotax for a free consultation at 720-366-4470 or visit them at symbiotax.com. Again, that's 720 366 Four four seven zero or symbiotax.com. That's s y m b i o tax.com, and make sure you tell them the fine folks at DNVR sent you. All
1: let's right, get to the questions. Let's
0: let's do it. You guys, you guys were great. I mean, so eager to talk about this. Mace, where do we start?
1: Let's start. Well, we had some questions that came in on our podcast from yesterday that came in after we recorded today, so I think we're going to uh, start there. So we left off with Pig Tosser 66 so now let's move to Baja24. Hey guys, wanted to ask your thoughts on trading Vaughn. When people bring up this question, my first instinct has been to say absolutely not. Despite a rocky start to the season, he's still one of the most elite pass rushers in the game, and I've often argued that having such a commodity is an essential ingredient to building out a stout defense. That said, the more I've thought about this, the more open I've become to the possibility that trading him away could be a reasonable move if the Broncos got a significant haul in return. And I think an important question when considering such a move is this. Are the Broncos just a few key pieces away from being a playoff contender again? I.e., could one more strong offseason put us in position to contend by next year? Or do we think the team needs two or three more years of growth before we get there? The reason this matters is because Vaughn is 30 years old and arguably in the prime years of his career right now, which, sadly, it feels like we're squandering. Obviously, a 32- or 33-year-old Vaughn is still likely going to be among the top edge rushers in the league, but I think the team will be doing itself a disservice by not at least seeing what they could get in a a trade for him now when he's still in peak physical shape, especially if it could help expedite the rebuild or, sorry, retooling, reworking. Plus, we know we have Mm -hmm. a studding chub, and drafting pass rushers or finding undrafted gems has been one of Elway's strong suits throughout his tenure's GM. Maybe the losing season is causing me to become delirious, but it seems to me that very few, if any, players should ever be 100% off the table, especially if a team willing to pay the right prices comes calling.
0: Mace, I have two ways to approach this, and the first, it's a little different from, from your take about trading Vaughn earlier. I'm open to trading Vaughn, but, 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 but. At the right price, it, it's
1: got to be something that that sweeps you off your feet. Two ones. Uh, I, I was going. That would to, be something that would make me think about trading Vaughn. Two ones.
0: You you do it in a heartbeat. I'm listening. If it has to include a one, there's no question about that. So I'm listening if it includes a one. But then you also want at least a day two pick in there. And let's say it's a one and a two. To me, I'm doing it. Um and. Uh, but I'm not just going to give him away, and Mace, you bring up the very good point that this is maybe the lowest his value is going to be, because he will come back up, and I agree with you, he's, he's going to be a better player than uh, on pace for six sacks right now. He's, he's a better player than that, he's going to come up, so does it make is it logical to assume you're going to get two firsts or a first and a second on a guy where he, when he has his lowest value, and he is 30 years old? Probably not, so in the end, I do come back to where you are, but that phone line is open.
1: The phone line is open and look, everybody has a price, right? This is America, right? I mean, there's a <laughs> price on everybody. The fact is you'd have to do some gymnastics here on the dead money. Right. That would accelerate and that's why as it has a result to be, of the deal.
0: That's why it has to be worth your money so much in order to move them.
1: And that's why I'm I'm thinking again two ones especially because what kind of team is trading for Von Miller, a team that's Good picking teams. in the twenties to around thirty, right? Right. Yep. Well, there you go. I'd I'd want two twenty something picks. Yep. And so Mesa, think about
0: it. So Mesa brings me to to the second point of approaching this, and the question is, are the Broncos just one or two pieces away, or are they a lot of things away? And the answer is, the Broncos are many, many, many pieces away. But what if John has in the back of his mind, what if he watched ESPN last night and saw Adam Schefter's uh, insight on Tom Brady potentially being done with the Patriots after this season? Or what if John Elway's sitting there behind his desk thinking, you know what? Sean Payton has always wanted Teddy Bridgewater and uh, they're undefeated with Teddy Bridgewater right now. What if I could get my hands on Drew Brees? And what if John Elway is approaching the rest of this season. Maybe that's why he doesn't care if Drew Locke plays. What what if he's approaching this season as, I can't get rid of guys that are going to be key pieces when I have my next Hall of Fame quarterback here next year?
1: (laughs) Another short-term move. Yep. The one thing I know, even though Tom Brady appears to be trying his best to defy father time, the one thing I know from watching quarterbacks over the years is eventually they hit the wall, and they hit it hard. Peyton Manning hit it hard. Yep. You mentioned, and I had the numbers behind it, Tom Brady is not as efficient yeah. as he has been. Yep. <laughs> you know what? They got to stop the Band-Aids. <laughs> They've got to stop the Band-Aids. They've got to get it right. They've got to get young. They have so many needs that I think it's just they're in a position where I, I just don't think that's logical.
0: Here's my take. If you can get Tom Brady or Drew Brees, do it in a heartbeat. I don't care what draft compensation it costs you, even but, in the 40s.
1: But, well, it wouldn't cost you draft compensation for Brady because he could void his contract. It's true.
0: It's true. So whatever dollar amount it is, whatever it is, you do anything to get those guys in. But you
1: still draft a young quarterback. Sure. If Drew Locke isn't the guy, you still draft a young quarterback.
0: Maybe you do that. But here's where I have a huge problem with it, Mace. That is hoping— that Tom Brady decides to leave New England, not retire, and choose the, the what 4-12 Denver Broncos or the 6-10 the Denver Broncos. That's hoping. Why would he do that? It, Logically, why would he do that? He, he wouldn't. He wouldn't. That It's also hoping that Sean Payton says, Bye-bye, Drew Brees. Hope is not a strategy. If one of those guys becomes available this offseason and they want to come to Denver... I drop everything. I don't care what your plans are. Drop everything, welcome them in, then build your team around you. Do not hope and pray and build your team moving forward based off the idea that maybe there's a shot we can get one of these guys. And I know
1: people are going to make the Peyton Manning comparisons different. Yeah. Peyton Manning, when he signed with the Broncos, was 35 turning
0: 36. Yep.
1: So he was in the territory where quarterbacks have succeeded in the past. Right. John Elway. Talking about with Drew Brees and Tom Brady. They're in their 40s. Right.
0: Uncharted territory.
1: And again, you got to stop the Band-Aids. You got to stop. I feel like the Peyton Manning thing has poisoned the well
0: of thought. (laughs) Right.
1: At Dove Valley. Right. Because it made everybody think, oh, we can always take that shortcut. And it's how you end up with Joe Flacco. Yep. No. That's usually not the way. <laughs> yep. More often, it's the other way. Yep. D- draft and develop. Right. Figure out who that guy is and then ride with him.
0: And that's long-term, sustainable success right there. Yes. All right, next one coming in from Flack Attack. It says Mike Kliss Mike tweeted a Fangio quote regarding how frustrated Broncos fans are. He said... Quote, it's a loyal fan base, and one thing that I've grown quickly to appreciate. That's a quote from Fangio. Is this a legitimate sentiment Vic holds, or is he just trying to appease the fans? I feel the only thing us frustrated fans have done is upset Phil and others and give them even less to be inspired about this season.
1: I think it's a sentiment that he legitimately holds. Yeah. He understands. Look, Vic Fangio has been around. He's been in New Orleans, Carolina. Indianapolis, Houston when they started out, Baltimore, San Francisco, Chicago, and Denver. He's seen the gamut. He saw Carolina and Houston when they were expansion fan bases. He saw New Orleans when they were in the mire and muck of, to that point, 19 consecutive losing seasons to start the franchise's history. It became 20, but then Vic saw what happened when They lifted the Saints out of that swamp. Right. So he gets it. I don't think that it's lip service from Vic Fangio. I think it's a legitimate sentiment on his part. He understands. I, I completely agree. And given them less to be inspired about this season that the fans have done, no. You know what? Bronco fans... They showed up last Thursday. Yeah, there were a few more yep. Chiefs fans than there have been, but they're still showing up. A lot of markets. Take a look at Cincinnati. Cincinnati announced an attendance on Sunday of just over forty-two thousand. There were probably about thirty thousand people in the house. Oof. The crowd looked disinterested. Ooh. I can tell you about the days in Tampa, and it's still there right now. The crowd isn't into it. I mean, there were ga- there were Bucks games last year where the crowd started chanting, "Let's go Lightning." <laughs> During the games. Oh, wow. Okay? <laughs> wow. No, no. The passion is still there. One thing that I've noticed this year and I appreciate, and I think it needs to be sustained, is the fact that people are still angry. It's fine when fans are angry. That means you care. Right. The thing I'm concerned about is apathy. Yep. And my worry for the Broncos in the rest of this season is that if they do not play Drew Locke, that anger becomes apathy. And that's why if I'm
0: Joe Ellis, I'm saying this isn't a football decision anymore right now. This is a business decision for now to get people in the seats, to keep the team and get, or to keep the fans engaged. But also it's a business decision moving forward. We need to find out what this young guy has.
1: And you hope John Elway makes that decision. It's good football decision as well, because you start finding out. And again, you're two and five with Joe Flacco. You're two and nine with veteran quarterbacks in your last 11 games. What are you clinging to? Mr. Blorange, or should, if we're going to go for the French pronunciation, yep. Monsieur Blorange. <laughs> Bonjour, messieurs. Just want to say I'm very impressed with all of you for picking up on the correct pronunciation of my French surname. I was worried when I registered that it would be butchered with your silly American accents and mistaken for perhaps a combination of of the words blue and orange. <laughs> on a side note, I think I remember something about a countdown to Locke's first game day appearance having been mentioned. I love the idea and I think it would pair nicely with a Truman Show type live video feed of Locke. I'm pretty <laughs> sure watching Drew brush his teeth while he pretends to be an astronaut in his mirror would be more entertaining than watch <laughs> Joe, watching Joe throw a football. As always, thanks for the great work and good laughs. Love you guys in the podcast. Au revoir. Monsieur Blorange.
0: Monsieur, Monsieur Blorange, you're, uh, you're bringing the laughs to the podcast. I love that. And I don't know if you're just making me feel better about the way I pronounce your name or maybe we just found our French subscriber.
1: Zach, did you take <laughs> French or Spanish when you were studying languages in middle school and high school?
0: French and... Uh, Moi aussi. <laughs> and I don't have enough chances to use my French. Uh, well, unfortunately, you won't be able to use that French with me. I'm terrible. I'm te- I-, I was told once... That they may have linked a gene with being able to learn a second language and foreign languages. And if that, I, I, I tell myself that that's true because I did not get that gene.
1: I'm not saying I'm great. <laughs> I will say, je parle français comme on vache espagnol. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Something about how you speak Spanish?
1: I speak French like a Spanish cow. <laughs> that's a colloquialism <laughs> over there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's better than me. Je m'appelle Zach.
1: <laughs> and well you, get, you,
0: you got the you got the hat to to match it too
1: well it's more of a flat cap it's more kind of a british isles thing it's not a pure okay. beret that i've got going on this is more <laughs> of a english irish type of cap
0: it's uh it's over the seas we'll say you're very although it's made in italy oh so. wow we're just wrapping all the cultures together yes. <laughs> next one coming in from uh, chilongo bronco he says hey guys did you hear greg rosenthal calling flacco melatonin yep the sleep-inducing hormone. I didn't know whether to laugh or cry, but found that nickname very accurate, Sleepy Melatonin Joe. <laughs> or Sleepy Melatonin Flacco is what he says. I still remember RK's initial reaction when they got Flacco. Very accurate as well. P.S. Anyone else think that Count Flacula's writing is similar in style as Colin for, or Colin for Mullen? Much love. <laughs> they both do have their own art. I'll say that. Oh,
1: that is true. Well, I've been saying... Is it good or bad to be flaxinated? (laughs) (laughs) Probably bad. Yes. So if you're against Joe Flacco, are you an (laughs) anti-flaxer? Craig L follows up from that. After hearing Greg's comments on Dave Dave Meggett's sentence, I no longer listen to him on anything. From the Greg Rosenthal comments. Bronco77, hi guys. Like my fellow UK fans, another very late night, another... Day off work for little reward. The offensive ineptitude of this team is embarrassing to watch. The defense hasn't nearly been the elite unit we expected it to be either. I don't blame them though. Four years of knowing the offense can't score any points will suck the life out of guys like Vaughn and Harris pretty quickly. Question time Do we make any positive moves before the deadline to stem the flow of misery or do we just sell, sell, sell? Is anyone safe from a fire sale if that's the route we go down? Are there any positives going into Indy on Sunday? Do you think we throw in rookies like Winfrey to see what they can do? Apologies for the epic comments. It's been a while. <laughs> uh, 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 Much love to you guys from sunny Scotland for being the only shining light in a dark Broncos <laughs> club. Thank you, Broncos77. You sell. You don't go trading for Trent Williams right now. No. Sell, sell, sell. Yes. As they said yes. in trading places.
0: Yes. You have to. You, you have to. What what? It would It would make... Absolutely no sense now. Would I be shocked if John and go, goes and makes a big time move? I wouldn't be shocked because the 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 way he sold the Emmanuel trade was that it helps us this year. But it would be wrong to do that.
1: Well, imagine if the point of getting this draft capital was to make a trade for someone to help you right now. I'd <laughs> be wrong. Uh, can you imagine the meltdown? Yep. That a lot of fans would have. Yep.
0: Yep, and that's kind of what fans want to see. Is there a plan, John? If, if if the Broncos go and trade Chris Harris Jr., let's say Von Miller and Derek Wolf, all of those guys, I think some fans are going to be very sad and, and emotional about what's to come, but they're going to say, John, you got a plan. I got to tip my cap to you for that.
1: So who's safe from a fire sale? It's the whole thing of who's on the lifeboat, right? Yep. Connor McGovern has an expiring contract. Is he safe? No. Even though I think he, it'd be good to have him back. Right. I agree. Dalton Reisner's safe. Is
0: he the—no, yeah, you're right, you're right. I was just going to say, is he the only safe guy, but no. Portland he,
1: Sutton the, is safe. Right. Noah Fan is safe just because right. you want to keep seeing what he has. Phil Lindsay and Royce Freeman are safe. Yep. Justin Simmons should be safe because you're trying to resign him. Yep. Ideally. Yep. Bradley Chubb is safe. Yep. Mike Purcell is safe just because of how he's structured. Right. Kareem Jackson is safe. Yep. Joe Flacco is safe, but should he be safe?
0: No, absolutely not. Let's say a team needed a veteran quarterback and they were making a push into the playoffs. But now you have cap
1: consequences because (laughs) he converted some of his money to bonus. (laughs) Those win-now moves come back to hurt you, don't they? Again, they need to stop putting this on a credit card. Right. When this team was at its most successful with John Elway, it was going with the pay-as-you-go mantra. Remember hearing that in 2013 and 2014 over and over? Pay-as-you-go. And then things got bad and they got away from it.
0: Yep, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. All
1: right, our friend, The Count. Mm. I know getting anything for him is good, but this deal seems crappy considering what the Pats gave for Sanu. A third with a Niners record may as well be a fourth. Should I go listen to A, Losing My Religion by R.E.M.? B, Where Is My Mind by the Pixies? Or C, just my own sobs echoing in the dark corridors of my castle, the Broncos' banners all but obscured by cobwebs, in the pure agony of three losing seasons and a festering case of team mismanagement. I just can't decide. (laughs) Love the count. Look, the reality of it is you have a player with an expiring contract who tore his Achilles a little under 10 months ago. This is the best you were going to get.
0: Right, right. And here's how I view it. Count, I don't compare it to the deal that the Patriots did with Sanu. I kind of came into this Emmanuel Sanders trading process thinking, boy, a day two pick would be great. But I wouldn't be shocked if it was a fourth round pick that they got back. So the Sanu deal in my mind, like I said on the pod earlier today, was... This kind of brought it to where being a third was realistic, and that's what ended up happening, was, that, was they got equivalent of like a pick number 22 in the third round. So for me, because of where my expectations were, uh, it, it's a good move. I understand if, if you thought that that Sanu deal meant that the Broncos need to get a second round pick in return, well, then it's a bad deal. But uh, Sanu with that extra year of the contract really buys a, a whole nother
1: round. Concur completely.
0: Next one coming in from Mr. Freeze says, I haven't heard this take anywhere else, and maybe my tinfoil hat is on too tight, but hear me out. Behind the scenes, Flacco threatened to hold out unless they gave him some guarantees. They didn't do anything with the extra money, so what motivation did they have to tie themselves to him for the next three years? I think he did the same thing Chris Harris Jr. did, but in a classier, behind-the-scenes sort of way. P.S. Show some forking emotion, Joe. Wow. Uh, 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 uh. What do you
1: think? Forky. That was a character in Toy Story 4, was it not? Was it? Like the sport character called (laughs) Forky. Uh, 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 uh. Oh, man alive. Well, by what you did, I'm looking at the numbers on OverTheCap.com. If you cut Joe Flacco before June 1 of next year, you would... Save 10.05 million, have 13.6 million in dead money. Uh,
0: <laughs>
1: 2021, you'd save 17.45 million, you'd have 10.2 million in dead money. Uh, uh, here's
0: what needs to be remembered about this Joe Flacco contract. Why which about did you
1: convert it to a bonus? <laughs> the
0: re- thing we have to remember is none
1: of this was guaranteed zero you had the greatest contract (laughs) that you could possibly have for a quarterback you were going year to year on and you napalmed it now again you are counting the accounting ends up being the same in the end and you are counting on getting a bump in revenues from new television and streaming contracts for 2022 and beyond because some of this some of this dead money literally like his contract expires after 2021. They're still on the hook for $3.4 million, of the prorated bonus for 2022 and 2023. So you're accepting dead money. Again, it's just you had this great philosophy of paying as you go. And you heard John Elway talk about it back during the Peyton Manning years. And you went away from it. Yep. What changed? Yep. It was working.
0: Yep. It certainly was. He panicked. It certainly was.
1: Oh, man. It's just it's it's awful. Craig L. Sorry if it's already been asked or answered, but who gets Sanders reps? Are we going to see some Juwan Winfrey downtown Freddie Brown? Well, we kind of mentioned it earlier, but Deshaun Hamilton steps up. He's the guy who benefits most in terms of increased reps, but it trickles down. So yeah. you'll see more Fred Brown. You have to activate Juwan Winfrey this week, right?
0: You have to. You have to. Because
1: you don't get Tim Patrick back until after the bye coming off that wrist injury. Yep. And he will be activated according to John Elway. So maybe you use these couple weeks to find out about Jawan Winfrey. Yep. See if he can help you out. You
0: have to. You have to see what he is. All right. Next one coming in from Burkano Bronco. It says, hey, fellas. Yo, on-
1: by the oh, way. Oh, Yo. Because he has another comment on our podcast from earlier today, and he does – Mention the pronunciation, burkane
0: Thank you. As as you'll quickly... Well, you probably already know. I'm terrible with pronunciations. So, burkane Bronco. Hey, fellas. Just saw the Sanders trade and got to say that it felt right for him to move on. I'm glad he is getting a shot with a contender. I think we got a pretty fair trade for him with the third and fourth round picks. Seems like we are already stockpiling with picks. Seven in the first four rounds. Who do you think those guys... Or what do you guys think... Would be better to do with those picks, use them as they are, or use them to trade up to secure higher picks? Thanks for all you guys do. Go Broncos and go DNVR.
1: Let's say you trade Chris Harris Jr., you pick up another third-round pick, and you're talking about eight picks in the first four rounds, including four in round three. At that point, I'm starting to use some of those third-rounders to turn them into second-rounders, or using that third-rounder to help turn one of those third-rounders to help turn the second-rounder into a late first-round pick and get that fifth-year option.
0: Without a doubt. That has always been my philosophy, is don't use all seven of them to move up. You know, maybe. If you if you need a quarterback, and your quarterback is three spots higher than you, and you need to do all that to get them, well, then you do it. But that's how I feel is... Use If there's guys you like, go get them. Don't be afraid to, to toss in a third, especially when you have extra second and third rounders. Move up in the draft and use those picks.
1: Moving on, California orange and blue. It was a bittersweet day in Broncos country today. Well, I definitely wish Emmanuel the best in Santa Clara. I sure will miss seeing him on game days, even though lately he may as well have been on another team anyway with how he was being utilized. I do have a question. What are the Broncos thinking? <laughs> Today I could have sworn we would see Drew Locke participating in practice, only to hear news that he was still in street clothes. This definitely puts a potential Drew Locke start pushback until after the bye week. And we all know they're not going to start him against that vaunted Vikings defense, as well as the Bills defense, both of those on the road. We've seen the limits of to what Flacco could do. Pushing this can down the road is nonsensical and baffling. Well, go Broncos. Can't wait for draft season at this point.
0: Yeah, what what kind of what we touched on earlier, Mace. We really hope that because this was an extra practice, it was just a funky start, and they want Drew Locke and these other IR guys to start on a normal week, and that would be a Wednesday practice. Hope so. <laughs> exactly. Next one coming in from True Champ Fan 24. Guys. I'm glad most of this community is on the same brainwaves for the most part. There is a rather large portion of Broncos fans saying we lost this trade today and that this is just showing that we do not have fight left in this season and that we are waving the proverbial white flag. Well, duh, how can some people believe we lost this trade? Sanders moves on to a place that has a chance to contend. Denver gets two picks. Sure, they weren't the best picks, but something is better than nothing. Still on fire, Elway bandwagon. I'll I'll conduct that train until he derails it or we finally pull into the dream station. But if this is a step in the we are rebuilding direction and he is ready to admit that, I'll buy in for a little bit. Also, Golik and Wingo, we're talking about TB12 to Denver next season, LOL. Talk about signing washed-up hacks, am I right? Joking, of course. I'd love a 900-year-old Tom Brady. Thank you all for the awesome coverage during this terrible three-season stretch. You guys make it worth it for sure. (sighs) (laughs) Yeah, give me Tom Brady at 900.
1: (laughs) He's like Yoda. (laughs) Yep. When 900 years old, you reach, look gets good, you will not. Hmm? (laughs) By the way, who are these Broncos fans out there who are saying they lost the trade date? They must not follow me on Twitter because I put a poll out there to say what grade do you give the trade for the Broncos? Over 2,300 votes already in. 34% A, 49% say B, 11% C, 6% D or F. So that's a cool 83% saying A or B. And that's And Although I do want fair. to talk to these other 17%. Now, I will say this. I got some comments saying I'm giving it a C or a D because it's John Elway making the picks. Mm-hmm. So it's the lack of confidence in John Elway to maximize those picks.
0: But if you were going to trade, you weren't going to do a player-for-player player trade. No. It, it It wasn't going to happen.
1: No. Final thoughts? After this emergency pod, after the trade of one of the last links left to Super Bowl 50?
0: I hope it started. And by that, I mean the true plan and movement to the future. I hope this was a start. I hope that by John Elway's actions is what it's leading to us now, and that's more trades, more looking toward the future, more Drew Locke, not by his words, which is we haven't thrown in the towel yet. We still plan on winning games and fighting for games this season. And... I really, really hope that this is the beginning, not the end.
1: Look, you're 2-9 and nine in your last 11 games. We've been over the records over the last 16, 32, 48 games.
0: You do a fantastic job of showing us that.
1: Well, I think it's necessary because I think it it's is. time to accept what you really are. 100%. It's actually past time. You should have accepted what you were before. Yep. But, again... Talk about wanting to win, that's fine. You're struggling to win with this band-aid, let's try to get by and figure things out on the fly philosophy. It's okay to sell assets, to accumulate draft capital. And then with the young guys that are here that are already part of the core that can get you out of this for the long term, start finding out which one of those guys are gonna help you and which ones aren't. Yep. They'll play hard, they'll play earnestly, they'll try to win.
0: They'll be good teammates.
1: Embrace it. Yeah. Because you're not getting any closer right now. Yep. Stop deluding yourselves.
0: Yep. Yep. And my final last word, Mace, is we're doing a fun little competition over at DNVR right now that just started 24 hours ago, and we want you guys to get in on it. We're doing a who, which beat, and which people can get the most members to join their side. And so how you can support us? Use one of our codes. Use code MACE, M A S E. Use code Zach, ZAC, Z A C. Or you can use code RK. He's not here today though. So maybe maybe stay away from that one. He's got, he's got an unfair advantage already. And hit one of those codes when you become one of our members and not only do you help us, you get a free t-shirt. You get the best Colorado sports coverage of every team. Broncos, Rockies, Nuggets, Abs, all season long, throw in CU, CSU, you get it all for an entire year or however long you want to subscribe, but make sure when you do that, you use the code Zach, Z-A-C, the code Mace, M-A-S-E, and guys, we're starting to get the results trickle in, and let's just say, I need some serious help, so hit that code ZAC to help me out, and become a member of this awesome community you'll also get your comments read on the pod and we want to hear from you guys if you guys use one of these codes i should say when you use one of these codes comment even even if you don't have a question even if you don't have a count flacula type comment just say hello and and check in with us
1: and that code is mace M A S (laughs) C,
0: or zach z-a-c and mace on that note boy it's been quite a day in broncos country it's been quite a day for you and i but hey i've loved doing it we've done almost three hours of podcast today and i've absolutely loved rolling with you
1: mace likewise and uh our first podcast here from my domain Uh, yes my kitchen table i love it certainly won't be the last ones we do from here zach appreciate you man
0: the new dnvr studio broncos studio especially for emergency pods and with that We'll leave you on your way. Have a fantastic Tuesday as this trickles into Wednesday. Get through the hump day, and we'll be right back with you tomorrow. But before we go, I got to tell you about Denver Rubber Company. And just as we ask you to support us and become members of our family. Denver Rubber Company also wants you to become members of their family because they're also a local business. So support us and support them. And it might not be the rubber company that you're thinking of. Since 1972, Denver Rubber Company has provided the highest quality of products from custom die cut gaskets, molded rubber to custom contract manufacturing and custom hoses. DRC offers innovative solutions to serve a diverse line of industries, including aerospace, pharmaceutical, construction, medical, military, electronics, and so much more. They're an ISO certified company that will work with you from design to final product that is both cost effective and will meet your requirements. And guys, let me tell you, they had us into their office about two weeks ago. They're awesome. They're great people, great customer service, and they have great products. So make sure you check them out. If you're in need of custom design material selection for your product or have a deadline to make for a large order, do not hesitate to call Denver Rubber Company. Call them today at 1-800-259-0010. That's 1-800-259-0010. Or visit them today at drcfirst.com slash dnvr. And tell him who sent you. All right. For Andrew Mason, I'm Zach Stevens. Can't wait to talk to you tomorrow.